on that note, <laughs> come on up, Paul. I think uh, we're going to tag team a little bit today, but I'm going to let him go first. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year. That's right. It's going to be a good year. Hey, um, so when we were, I was kind of praying about this Sunday, really felt like um, we were supposed to share a little bit about uh, this new year, what we've been feeling from the Lord, um, what the Lord's saying about this coming year, and um, obviously we're in the midst of kind of a crazy time right now, as Travis was kind of explaining, and um, and I really do believe, to me, I'm going to continue to fight. I got that word, First um, Kings chapter 2, about Solomon and Adonijah, and I believe we're supposed to continue to contend, right, Paige? <laughs> Wait, where's the power? <laughs> no, but seriously, we are supposed to continue to contend um, and to see, I believe Donald Trump is supposed to be the next president of the United States, and um, we're to contend for that. He's the, he's the Solomon in the First Kings chapter 2 story, and... Um, so we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to, to, to see the purposes of God established in our nation. And, um, but that's, uh, that's just kind of in the natural. That's what, sort of in the natural. I guess I got that word at election day after. But um, for this coming year, I've been praying about it, like just asking the Lord, Lord, what are, you, what are you wanting to do in 2021? What is on your heart? What do you want us to be preparing for? What do you want us to be uh, meditating on, pursuing, what do you want us to put our hand towards? You know, because if the Lord doesn't build a house, we labor in vain, right? And I'll be honest, I'm sick of spinning my wheels and trying to do good ideas and not necessarily God ideas, right? That's why I love the prophetic so much. It's like we get to hear what God's doing and we get to partner with him. And then that has been the gospel message, basically, uh, from the very beginning, since Adam. And um, so anyway, so I've been praying and asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing for, what do you want to do in 2021? And uh, I had a couple of dreams in the past couple of weeks, um, and I'd like to share them with you guys and then just kind of break them down a little bit. Um, I want to say I, I received this dream, it was about three weeks ago, um, and I knew it was from the Lord, and uh, you know we had been talking about dreams. Remember, it was funny. Remember, uh, I taught on dreams, and I was expecting like an awesome prophetic dream the next night. <laughs> I got nothing <laughs> for like a week. And I was like, "Man, Lord, come on now!" And uh, but no, I did have a, a pretty strong dream uh, the following week, and um, in the dream, it was real short, real, but it was real clear and very literal. Um, I was I was I walked up to this guy in the dream and uh, I began to share the gospel with him, just the plain the simple gospel with him, and he began to manifest a demon, and um, and in the dream, uh, I just began to address the demon. I began and I cast out this demon out of this guy, and then all of a sudden I began to share the gospel with him again, and he received the Lord, and I woke up. It was a clear dream. I knew it was from the Lord. I was like, okay, Lord, that's, 
you know, uh, what are you saying in this dream? And um, and I, and I began to feel like the Holy Spirit kind of breaking down uh, about evangelism this coming year. And um, it was pretty cool. Like uh, we had our home group last Wednesday, and one of the the members of the the group actually had it, said, I, you know, I've got a dream, and she shared it. And it was very similar. She was sharing the gospel. There was people sharing the gospel, and there was opposition, and then um, and then there was resolution. You know, and I was like, "Wow, okay, Lord, you speak. Is this is this what you're doing?" And I was began to pray about it some more. And uh, it was either the following night. It was like New Year's Eve, I believe, and uh, or New or the or the the night before New Year's Eve. Yeah. And uh, I had another dream, and it was very clear. And in the dream, I was in downtown Wilmington, actually. And I was walking around the sidewalks, and I saw um, these uh, uh, symbols on the sidewalk. And they were like occultic, uh, from the occult, or in witchcraft type stuff. And I don't know, I don't remember. I didn't. In the dream, I knew that that's what they were. And I began to like, I was like, wow, okay, they're doing some crazy stuff down here. And uh, I began to like videotape it with, or take pictures of it with my phone. Um, and then this guy comes up to me, it was this college kid. He comes up to me and he starts confronting me, what are you doing or whatever. And, um, and in the dream, I got a prophetic word for him. And he was real kind of like, you know, um, aggravated, you know what I mean? And it was like antagonistic with me. And, uh, and I got this prophetic prophetic word for him in the dream I gave it to him and all of a sudden his count countenance changed and then I began to share the gospel with him and then all these college kids started coming around and listening and we began to share the gospel with them and um and I woke up from the dream I was like wow okay Lord I know this is you there's like two dreams I've had a person in my home group had a dream about it and um, and I just began to ask the Lord about it and, and say, okay, Lord, what are you specifically saying in these dreams? And um, and I really feel like the Lord said that that 2021 we're going to begin to reap harvest, and specifically harvest of souls. I believe we're going to see people. There's going to be an ease and a grace for people to come into the kingdom. And I'll be honest, I'm, that's not my natural gifting. I'm not an evangelist in the office of an you know. Um, but I, we're all called to evangelize. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, so I'm not necessarily bent towards this. You know, uh, Travis, he's a little more. He, he's, he's the evangelist here. <laughs> and um, but we're but we're called to evangelism. We're called to be a witness and uh, to to the resurrected Christ. And um, so, anyways. Um, and I felt like the Lord was specifically highlighting three things that I just wanted to touch on. And um, I'll let Travis kind of piggyback what he, he feel like the Lord's showing him. And um, first one is like our personal testimonies are powerful. And number two, the prophetic gift is a powerful tool for bringing in the harvest. And number three, the Holy Spirit is the helper of the harvest. Okay. And uh, I just feel like the Lord highlighted these three things through the uh, the dreams I was receiving, and and so uh, I just want to kind of go through them real quick. And uh, and I, I shared back I don't know a couple months ago about the power of a testimony, and I feel like the Lord's reiterating that our personal testimonies are powerful. 
for bringing the kingdom and for bringing people into the kingdom. I don't care if you were a drug addict who got completely delivered or if you have been a Christian since you were a little kid and you got saved in Sunday school. Doesn't matter. Your personal testimony is powerful. Okay? A lot of times you guys who grew up in the church or whatever and you kind of like, you might not have a testimony like, you know, somebody's crazy testimony. You might kind of discount your testimony. Don't discount your testimony. It is powerful. And it's powerful because here, I'm going to read here. First John 1, 3, it says, what we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you. Why? So that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So your testimony, what you have seen and what you have heard, share it. Your personal testimony. How did Jesus change your life? How did Jesus come into your life? And then trust the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon your words. Okay? Because it's not going to be you. All right, I'll get into that a little bit. So when we share what we have seen and heard and experienced in Jesus, we impart faith. That's what's going on in that interaction. When you're giving your testimony with somebody, you're actually imparting faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So when you share your testimony of how Jesus Christ changed your life, you are imparting faith into the hearer. And you're imparting faith for them to be able to step out and receive and experience the same thing you've experienced. This is a natural or an actual supernatural law of the, of the spirit. You can apply this to everything. You can apply this to healing. You can apply it to all kinds of stuff. But your testimony is powerful. Okay? All right. Um. And number two, I want to go over the prophetic gift is a powerful f- tool for bringing in the harvest. First Corinthians 14, 24, Lord highlighted this. So in my dream, you know, um, that guy was antagonistic towards me and he was kind of like, what are you doing around here? You know, leave this stuff alone or whatever, this witchcraft stuff. And I just began and I gave him a prophetic word and all of a sudden everything changed. The prophetic gift is an awesome tool for evangelism. It is for evangelism many times. It's for the church as well, but it's also for evangelism. Because there is a world of people out there that think there's nobody out there, and it, or if they do believe somebody's out there, they, have, they don't think he cares. Yeah, he does care. And a prophetic word, a lot of times, does exactly that. It proves God is thinking about you. He knows your situation, and he's pursuing you, and he loves you, okay? So um, so 1 Corinthians 14, 24, it says, but if any unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. 
Okay, so this is in the context of the Corinthian church, but this happens out in public too. <laughs> and, and it's supposed to. That when you share, when you give a word of the Holy, from the Holy Spirit, a prophetic word for somebody's life, there's a conviction that comes over them. And there's a realization. Whoa, there is a God. He knows me and I'm accountable to him. And the Holy Spirit comes and he brings conviction. Not us, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, you know, the prophetic gift has, has the ability to open the blinded eye or the heart that was previously closed and maybe even resistant to the Lord. I'm telling you, non-believers, you even say the word of Jesus. Some, a lot of non-believers, it's like their heart. It's just like a closed drawbridge. No, don't, don't get anywhere near me with Jesus and Christianity and all that stuff. And there's actually even society, unfortunately, has actually become even more antagonistic towards it and violent towards Christians and towards the message of the gospel. But when we give a, a supernatural prophetic word, it's like all of a sudden their heart opens up and they're able to receive. Okay? And that's what happened in that dream that I had when I was sharing the gospel at first and the guy was, or actually, I wasn't even sharing the gospel. The guy was just completely antagonistic what I was doing there. And his heart was closed to me and he was guarded and he was actually antagonistic. And I gave this prophetic word and all of a sudden his heart just opened up and he was able to receive the gospel. And um, this actually... Um, this happened uh, to me once, actually, when I was at uh, uh, the Waffle House, and uh, I was with the, at the Waffle House with one of my friends, and we were uh, sitting there eating, enjoying our waffle, you know, and um, our and it was packed in there, and there was this waitress, our waitress, she had like all these tables, she was going around, you know how they go in behind that uh, counter thing, and she was... Um, and all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord just kind of speaking to me about this waitress. And I was like, okay, Lord, what? she seems really busy. And, you know, there's all these people in here. Like, what do you, I mean, you know, I was just, you know, kind of work, talking back and forth with the Holy Spirit about it. I was like, are you sure this is the best time? She's going to get annoyed if I, like, try to pull her aside, but whatever. And I felt like the Lord gave me this real simple word. And uh, it was a picture of her as a little girl giving her heart to the Lord. And uh, I was like, okay, Laura, you know, is that all? Is that all? <laughs> and I was waiting for like, you know, her address or social security number, all that kind of stuff. I didn't get any of that. And, uh, and she came to her table or whatever. And I was like, hey, can I just share something with you real quick? Um, you know, I'm a Christian. And I felt like the Lord uh, was talking to me about you. And he wants to encourage you. That he saw you, he and he saw the commitment you you made to him as a little girl, and he misses you. She began to like tear up, and it's instantly the Holy Spirit said, "Share the gospel, share the gospel." So I began to just share the simple gospel with her, and you know Jesus loved her, that she needed to turn from her sin, and He will forgive her of her sin, and for her to rededicate her life to the Lord. And she's like, yeah, I want to do it right now. And so she's like standing here, and you know, we're in the Waffle House, and, and like, and we just prayed with her to receive Jesus. 
and uh, to rededicate her life to the Lord. It was awesome. It was like, and it was, we were eating waffles. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it was a win-win, right? <laughs> but God wants us to do that. But that is to just show you how powerful the prophetic word is. Her heart was completely closed, and all of a sudden, it just opened up to receive the most important prayer any person could pray in their whole life. One simple little word that I could have just totally discounted. That's the power of the prophetic word. And God wants us to be walking in this. He's calling us to this year. I believe there's going to be an awesome grace for it because God has been preparing the harvest this whole past year. 2020 has been a rough year for unbelievers and some believers. You know, it's been a rough year. And sometimes when we're poor in spirit, we realize how much we really need God. You know, unfortunately, it has to take hard stuff sometimes. So God's been preparing a harvest for the church to step out and to reap. And uh, I believe 2021 is that year. And then um, one last thing I just want to share here, uh, the, uh, the third part here, the Holy Spirit will help us with the harvest. I think a lot of times uh, we get really intimidated about being evangelizing and we've kind of gone through all the, you know, the Romans road. We do all these kind of like steps and, you know, and all that stuff is good and God uses that stuff. But I want to encourage you just to be real, just be yourself. That's why I'm encouraging you to share your testimony, your experience with Jesus with people. Make it real. People want the real thing. They don't want religion, and we can spout off tons of Bible verses and do, and all that stuff's good. Trust me, the Word of God is powerful, but your testimony is powerful too. You know, Revelation has said that they, the, the the believers they overcame by the uh, the power was it by the blood of the Lamb and the power of His testimony, right? Yeah. And um, so, anyway, the Holy Spirit He wants to help us. He didn't, Jesus said it was better for him. I'm going to read it right now. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is what he's going to do when he comes. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment regarding sin because they do not believe in me and regarding righteousness because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me and regarding judgment because the ruler of this age, of this world, has been judged. Now that's very heavy. We can get into that another time. But the main point here I want to stress here is that verse 8, and he, who? Who? Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So many times we think that like if we share our, our testimony, there's a couple of things that like kind of happen. Sometimes we feel like there's like a resistance, like, oh, I don't want to be too bold. I don't want to be too, I don't want to step on any, I don't want to condemn anybody, you know? And the enemy kind of like shortchanges us from sharing our, our testimony, giving our testimony. Don't worry about condemning anybody. If you share your testimony, you need to trust, I need to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction. 
There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Huge difference. One is from the enemy and one is from the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, it's an awesome thing. I am so glad the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. He's still convicting me of my sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're convicting me of my sin. He's changing us. It's an awesome thing, right? When you get set free from something, isn't it an awesome thing? How much more for like non-believers? Sometimes we get afraid of conviction. When we see somebody getting convicted, we kind of get con- conviction and condemnation confused. You know, when somebody feels convicted, they'll show it. There's a sorrow that comes over their life, and that's okay. That's actually a good thing. You know, when I was sharing the gospel with this lady, the, the Waffle House lady, she had tears in her eyes. She was convicted. I didn't, I wasn't like, repent. You know, you know, I was just sharing the gospel, the simple gospel with her, how the Lord changed my life and he could change hers and, and the Holy Spirit did the rest. He's our helper. Jesus specifically called, that's one of his names, helper. Okay? I just want to read this really quick because I believe this is coming this year even more so. Uh, how many of you guys know who Charles Finney is? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, he was, if you don't know who he is, um, he, he uh, helped to change our country uh, before the Civil War. He was part of the Second Great Awakening, and, and actually that movement instigated, I believe, the Civil War, or at least uh, uh, addressing slavery in our nation. And uh, he was a powerful uh, preacher, um, and he's got some crazy stories and uh, it's kind of like Acts. You know, when you read the book of Acts, it's just like walking it out, seeing everything kind of taking place. And I just want to share you a testimony um, about uh, one of the instances that happened to him. Um, this is actually from his autobiography. And, it's, and I'm just going to read it here, and then I'll, I'll hand it over here uh, to Travis here. Uh, the next morning after breakfast, I, this is Charles, went into a factory to look through it. And as I went through the factory, I observed there was a good deal of agitation among those that were busy at their looms and their mules and other implements of work. You can tell this is a long time. You know, it's the 1800s here. On passing through one of the apartments where a great number of young women were attending to their spinning or weaving, I observed a couple of them eyeing me and speaking very earnestly to each other. And I could see that they were a good deal agitated. Although they both laughed, I went slowly toward them. They saw me come in and were evidently much excited. The thread of one of the machines broke, and I observed, observed that the girl's hands trembled so that she could not mend it. I approached slowly, looking on each side at the, as the, at the machinery as I passed, but observed that the girls grew more agitated and could not proceed with her work. And when I came within eight or ten feet of her, I looked solemnly at her, and she observed it and was quite overcome and sunk down and burst into tears. That impression caught almost like powder, and in a few moments, nearly all of the room were in tears. This feeling spread through the factory. And Mr. Walcott, this guy, uh, the owner of this establishment, was present. And seeing the state of things, he said to the superintendent, stop the mill and let the people attend the religion for it is more important that our souls should be saved than that this factory run. And this, and this is uh, Charles kind of talking about this time. The power 
of God, the Holy Spirit, seems sometimes to pervade the atmosphere of one who is highly charged with it. Many times great numbers of persons in a community will be clothed with this power when the very atmosphere of the whole place seems to be charged with the life of God. Strangers coming into it and passing through the place will be instantly smitten with conviction of sin and in many instances converted to Christ. When Christians humble themselves and consecrate, they're, they're all afresh to Christ and ask for this power. They will often receive such a baptism that they will be instrumental in converting more souls in one day than all their lifetime before. It's powerful. This is just one story. I've read the, the book, and it's like story after story after story where he's literally walking into a place, and the Holy Spirit, the helper, does everything. Now, now he didn't, he, there was tons of prayer going on. Him and this other guy, they would go, and they'd pray, and they'd fast, and they would just walk in. I mean, he was walking into this factory, and he didn't even really say anything, but the Holy Spirit inside of him, on top of him, wherever was, wherever he was, and was beginning to convict the world of sin all around him. He didn't even say a word, but it opened their heart to receive the gospel. There has to be a conviction of sin. Sometimes we just, we, we kind of share this kind of really, uh, partial gospel where God loves you. Ask him into your heart. Let's pray that prayer. You know, no, the full gospel is we are wretched before Christ. We are sinners. Our destiny is hell. And because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and our faith in that finished work and giving our lives to him, we are born again. We are saved. That's the full gospel. And, uh, and a lot of times, we kind of circumvent what the Holy Spirit's doing. Let him convict the world of sin. Let him allow them to see their need of him. You know, it's an awesome thing. So I really believe that the Lord's saying this year that we're really going to be walking more and more into this because there's a harvest and the Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to come and he's going to use you guys. He's going to use me to share your testimony and to use the prophetic word and also to walk in some deliverance too. Even though some of us are a little weirded out by the demonic, it is a weird thing. I'll be just be honest with you. And I see, even now, I've seen it. I've seen it tons of times. It still weirds me out when I see somebody manifesting it with a demon or something. But that's okay. I love seeing people get set free, and I know you guys do too. And that is what he came to do: is to set the captives free through you and I. All right. We got the greatest hope of any people alive, and it's the hope of the gospel, and we need to be busy preaching it, you know, um, I can't amen enough what Paul's saying as, as far as, it's time, guys, it's, it's harvest time, it's harvest time, when deep darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, the glory of the Lord shall appear upon you, his glory shall be in you, you know, that's, it's, it's Isaiah 60, 
you know, behold, your, you know, your light has come. And we have got to be um, Johnny Appleseeds. You know, we, we can't, it's not our job to determine who gets saved. It's not our job to save people. It's not. It's your job to sow seed. We sow seed by sharing with people, by looking for an opportunity to share with them. And that's our job, to sow seed, to sow seed, to sow seed, to sow seed. We don't want to do it religiously. We don't want to do it like out of a burden or a weight. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit, and it should be joy and happiness. Not that you, have to, you don't have to overcome fear sometimes to do that, because you do. Uh, the worst, <laughs> my worst sharing of the gospel, um, I was terrified. I was a young man, and I, I, I've shared this here before, but uh, someone who's a good friend of mine today, um, he was leaving to leave the country for a, a long stint, and I really didn't know if I would be as, if we would our friendship would continue. But I knew I, I thought it was a possibility that I may never see this guy again, and I really felt a burden to share the Lord with him. But he didn't go to church; he had never gone to church. He didn't really understand anything about the gospel at all. And I had met him in, before I was really walking with the Lord, uh, and during a season when I wasn't walking with the Lord, and we were both you know gym rats. And, um, but I had to share with him before he left and he came to tell me goodbye and it was the worst awkward presentation of the gospel, maybe in the planet ever. (laughs) I was quaking. I didn't understand half of what I was saying. It was the, I mean, it was bad and I was so embarrassed because it was just like, I was nervous to begin, to begin with, but as I kept speaking, it felt like I was digging a hole. (laughs) And he's just looking at me like, what? He, he looked at me like I had two heads. But I had to try. And, you know, the incredible thing was six months later, he calls me. He'd, he'd come back from his trip to, through Asia. And uh, one of the first things he told me was that he had given his heart to the Lord when he was in Asia, he said he had gotten, he, this is his own testimony, he shared this before, he had gotten mixed up in some, with some prostitution because it was legal over there, it messed, and he got addicted, and it scared him because he really, I mean, he, he really got addicted. And, uh, and it scared him so bad that he went back to his hotel room because he didn't, and now he was like, he, I mean, he was just in chains, he was in bondage to it, and... Um, he, he fell on the ground in his hotel room and was just scared to death about what the, the own out of control that he was inside of himself. And he, he said he heard one thing that I had said. It just popped up in his head when I said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that was all he, you know, he, I guess the Lord brought back to his remembrance was that one line that I had given him right before he left. And right there in his hotel room, he called on Jesus to save him. And he got born again in his hotel room in, a, in, in, in Asia and uh, ended up having this girl that was there that ended up taking him to church. And he ended up marrying this Christian. While he, you know, he came back saved and engaged. <laughs> Here's the point. It wasn't dependent upon my persuasive words of wisdom it wasn't my incredible presentation of the gospel that saved him. He took an absolute young kid that was, was absolutely 
weak in every way, and everything I did was bad. But God took those words, and he used them later on. I, I sowed a seed. So it's not about our weakness, and I've said this. God's not limited by our weakness. He's limited by our unwillingness. The gospel presented in weakness is still powerful enough to fulfill its purpose. Because what does the snow, you know, you were talking about the snow earlier. Well, the snow in Isaiah 55 says that that's my word. That just like there's snow and the rain come down and water the earth, so my word will not return void. And when we speak his word, it will not return void. And we need to be busy sharing the Lord with people. Not religiously. I'm not talking about running around with your, chi- with your head cut off like a chicken, you know, where you're just, you know, just gurgitating. But being sensitive when you're out and about, looking for open doors so that when an open door pops up, you share. You, you, sometimes you say little things just to, just to see if the door's open. You know, you drop a little hint here, and you just look for the open doors. The problem is, is when we live with our, our life with our head looking down, we don't ever, we're not, we're not looking for the open doors, and so we miss them. If we would live life looking for the open doors, then we'll, we'll, we'll catch them, we'll see them, and we'll be able to go through them. Does that make sense? Um, I had a... I had a bunch of dream. I had three dreams all on New Year's Day that I was I was going to share with you guys. Um, I may share it next week because I, I think we're we're probably running out of time, and I feel like the Lord's really on this. Um, and um, there's two things I want to. I, I I think the Lord wants to do and with His people. And I, let me just share it like this. Um, this is going to increase as each year comes by. So this is not like a one and done. This is the year of this, you know. It's not, it's not like that. This is something God's doing, and he's going to continue doing this, and this is going to increase and increase and increase. But, you know, Rick got the word from the Lord that, that we're to make disciples, but it wasn't making disciple, our disciples, like I'm not making disciples of me. We're making disciples of Jesus. And what that means is, is that we have to use our influence in people's lives to help connect them to the head so that they become his disciples. And that's so important because I think a lot of the church in, in, in past generations have fallen into the trap, pastors and leaders, of making disciple, their own disciples. And we're not, we've never were called to make our own disciples. We were called to make disciples of Jesus. My job is to help you guys connect with him so that you don't need me. Because if you need me, we're, we're failing our job. Paul was at labor so that Christ was formed in them. You know, he wanted to see Christ grow up inside of the, the body. And we have to all grow up into that place to where we are connected with the Lord and we're not living on dependence of any man, a pastor, a leader, or anybody. And I think God's doing that. He absolutely is doing that. He's doing it here, and you guys understand that. But what's going to continue is we all, as we enter this year, we need to know what is my purpose? What is God calling me to do? And being able to hear that from him and, and to pursue it. And so this is a year for us to all be engaged. 
If one puts a thousand a flight and two put ten thousands, we know there's a multiplication. What happens when the body begins to mature and every member is working on, in their role, in their function? What do you think is going to happen in the earth? It's kind of like what Paige and, and Lonnie were talking about. When Christians aren't engaged in their purpose, in their role, they're not bringing light and salt into the earth, then the enemy it, it will fill those vacuums. And much of what we're seeing even today is a result of church people, Christians, not engaging in their own purpose. They're, they're busy making money. They're busy living life. They're busy doing this. But what is your purpose? What is God calling you to do? It's not, it's not, you don't even have a right to come to this church in of your own will. If God hadn't sent you here, you're, you're miss, you're, 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 this isn't where you're, if God hadn't sent you here, then you need to go find where God sent you and you need to go there. We have to be engaged in the body where he wants us to be. And you're not going to have joy and peace and you're not going to, when you're not properly engaged in the body, functioning in your role where you fit, you're not going to function right. You're not going to be happy. There's going to be no joy in your life. All the Jesus time in the world isn't going to fix you being out of joint in his body. We need that one-on-one time, but we have to be fitted together. And I think the Lord's going to continue this year to help get us functioning in our roles amongst connected with the people that he's called us to be connected with. And we need to know what that is. And it's real simple. If you don't know, what did James say? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. But how do we ask? We ask in faith. That's right. Faith is an expectancy. You expect to hear something. When you ask in faith, you expect to hear. And you don't stop asking until you hear. That's how I've gotten everything that's worth anything from God in my life was being willing to keep pursuing it until I got an answer to it. We give up too quick. And I'm afraid there's some leaders in the body of Christ that are being set down. This test that we've just went through, it's because we've given up too easy. As part of what my dreams was, were about. I'll share a little bit about that next week. But we have to toughen up. And we have to stop giving up so easy. Joshua and Caleb, they saw a promised land. The ten spies saw giants. Those people were disqualified to enter into the promise. They were disqualified. We don't want to allow fear and stuff holding us back from the, the promises that God has for We have to care for them, care about them so much that we're willing to take a sword and go and fight. I don't mean literally. I mean, there may be a place for that. I'm not, I'm not that, but that's not the message I'm giving. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. We got weapons that the natural soldier does not have that are far more powerful than any natural soldier. There are people that are called to be soldiers, by the way. It's their calling. John the Baptist didn't rebuke soldiers for being soldiers. He just said, be content with your pay. But then, but, but that's, that's a lower level calling. We have higher callings as believers, many of us. I mean, if that's what you're called to, it's your high calling. But I'm just saying in general, the spiritual authority is what we're pursuing. Not just the ability to uh, change things in the natural, but to see them changed in the spiritual realm. And when you're engaged in your purpose and you know what God's calling to you do, you're actually changing the direction of not just your life, but everybody around you. Who saw the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life? Isn't that a great movie? 
I hadn't seen it in a while. I saw it for the first time probably seven or eight years ago, believe it or not. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this was incredible. When we're engaged in our purpose and we're seeing God, we're, we're in our anointed purpose. We're engaged in it. We're connected with him and we're engaged doing the things that he's, work, he's doing through us. When we're engaged with that, it's affecting everyone around you. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your friends. It'll affect your work. It'll affect your state, your city, your state, your country. The ripple effects of one believer doing what God calls them to do is immeasurable. You can't measure the, the, the effect that has throughout time. What happens when the whole body begins to function? This is the year that we need to really begin to function in what God's called us to do. And part of that, is share, being able to share the Lord and look for this harvest that's coming. So let's, if you're not sure what that is, ask. Seek the Lord. What, is, what are you calling me to do? It's, it's an overflow. When, you, when you're seeking the Lord for relationship, there's an overflow that comes out of that where you begin to get purpose. And if you don't know what to do, I'll give you the same thing that Jesus told Paul. He said, go into Damascus and there, and wait there, and there it will, be, it will be told to you what you're supposed to do. You know what Damascus means? The, the, the town Damascus means activity. If you're not sure what to do and you're stumped, just start doing something. It's, you know, back before there was power steering, you had to get that car moving a little bit before you could turn the wheel. And a lot of us, we just need to do something. And as you're doing something, God will see that and then he'll give you the next step. Some of you just need to volunteer at church. Some of you need to volunteer at the homeless shelter. What is your passion? What are you feeling hungry, you know, starving for? What, are you, what is your heart? Lonnie can help you out with that. Um, but, you know, start somewhere doing something. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to do as you're going, God will, you know, it's easy to move a, it's easy to steer a moving vehicle. A lot easier. You just do something. Just do something. Start meeting with someone and praying. Take a step. This goes so good with uh, what Travis was just sharing about doing something. I, I uh, had a dream. I was 18 again. Waiting table was at Eddie Romanelli's. I don't think it's Eddie Romanelli's anymore. Anyway, I'm, I, and um, every time I go, I got three tables, and I'm you know got their drinks and everything. And then like the manager calls a meeting, and I'm like, what? And I have to go back to like the employee lounge, and I'm doing the meet. And then I come back, and all the drinks are empty, and everybody's unhappy with me because so I get them all happy again and the next thing I know the managers call another meeting like what? No. so I'm going back and this is you know if anybody's ever waited tables before knows the anxiety of an empty tea glass like it was I would <laughs> I would I would I would wake up as a teenager like waiting tables in my sleep because it was so embedded in me to like not make people mad anyway and it, so I'm feeling all that in the dream and I'm like, and I woke up. I'm like, well, what is going on? He was like, you know, the managers kept on having these meetings. And the meeting isn't where it happens. It's in serving the people. And I feel like the Lord was saying that simple step that Travis might be talking about, me a little piece of the puzzle, is find someone to serve. Step simply in and serve. And um, I'm not saying this a toot my own horn. I'm just saying this because it's simple. Months ago, I was coming to church, 
and I just had this little idea to bring a dozen donuts to, to Grace and the ladies over here across the street one morning. That does, I just started them and, and some coffee, I think. And anyway, I got greeted. I mean, it was like that opened up such an opportunity to continue to serve and connect with the ladies right here at the recovery house right across the street. So like, just do something simple. Like you can never go wrong. What does the scripture say? The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Find someone to serve. If you are passionate about abortion and seeing, you know, life, you know, find maybe a, a, a teenage girl who just needs some love and serve her. And then my wife, it was simple, simple. She like made some punch for like a, a group of teenage moms who decided to keep their baby. And all she did was bring punch. And it opened up this amazing door to, anyway, so find someone to serve. Listen to what's going on inside of your heart and find the people to serve that is that the Lord is stirring in your heart to serve. Amen. 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 Yeah. And um, so all that to be said, you know, we were talking about, okay, what I was talking about a little bit earlier about, okay, God, what do we do? What are you doing? We want to work together in partnership with you. Um, You know, this coming year, we're going to have a bunch of opportunities. Uh, We're talking about, you know, we're an equipping church. You know, we, we, we're in Ephesians 4 church. Um, we believe that the body is supposed to be doing the work of the ministry, not the necessary, all just pastors. And so we're going to have opportunities this year um, to equip. And specifically in, in the area of the prophetic, we know if you've been here long enough or you know anything about Morningstar, we're a prophetic church. And we believe that God wants to use the gift of prophecy to be a powerful tool out there. And we want to be able to equip all of you guys, all of us, the community here uh, as a whole, to walk in this gift, in this power. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, just like Travis was saying and Josh was saying, if you, your passion and your destiny, I encourage you guys, if this is on your heart, you don't know what you're doing. What, so Rich Warner said, like, what, 90% of people don't know really what they're doing, what they're called to, what their purpose is. I highly encourage you talk to Lonnie. This class is an awesome opportunity to at least get that that started, that that pursuit. Because I, I think a lot of the times we kind of are just aimlessly, but this will really help you to kind of uh, find out what God's hand and His purpose is for your life. That you can actually start taking those baby steps that Josh was talking about in the areas that he, you're that He's called you to, and you, and for you to see his hand in it and see supernatural like partnership with God um, when we step out into our purpose, you know? And uh, so anyways, just encourage you guys be like um, Travis was saying, like, keep our, keep your eyes up. Be, be a, just don't make this thing religious. Like, you know, don't try to share the gospel with every single person. Yeah. Don't like, I'm going to share the gospel with five people today. Don't get, don't go there. Let the helper help, okay? Let the helper help. He will show you who is ripe for the harvest, and he will give you words. You might not. You, you might not. You, you might see somebody just like convict. You might walk up to somebody 
And just like Charles Finney, the Holy Spirit will be bringing conviction on them just because the Holy Spirit is inside of you and proximity is, is bringing conviction. That is, that is our inheritance. You know, I didn't read that story so we can like worship the pastor. Man, the good old days. No, that, they were, he was tasting something that we have even greater. That can be our, our, our floor. You know what I'm saying? When you walk into your office at work and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on your coworkers and they're just convicted of their sin and they start repenting in front of you and you didn't say a word. I mean, come on now. We want that. So um, let's pray. I, I want to pray specifically about that this year um, and just pray for that That. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, that anointing of the Holy Spirit to partner with what the Lord's doing, the Lord of the harvest, right? The workers are few, right? So let's pray. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, we just thank you that your heart is for your, the lost. And I pray, Father God, that you would give us your heart for the lost, Lord, we don't want to drum this thing up. We, want, we need you, Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that we would have a, a heart for the lost here in Wilmington or wherever, Lord, you've planted us. And, Father, we are praying for that baptism that Charles Finney was talking about, that baptism of power, God, to share the gospel, to be a witness so, Lord, we are asking, Father, for you to baptize us in power. Lord, we want to allow the helper to help. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we need your help. We are trusting that you're going to help when we step out. So we just pray for open doors to share the gospel, to share our testimony of what you've done in our lives, Lord. And Lord, we're just we're looking for opportunities. We pray you just there would just be a grace for the prophetic, Lord, for those around us. I pray you would specifically be giving us prophetic dreams for our coworkers and for our neighbors, for the pe for our family members, God. Speak to us, Lord. Give us the words that are going to open the heart for the gospel. And we pray, Father God, just for, uh, uh, I scarily pray for this, God, but Lord, for the, that gift of the discerning of spirits, Lord, that we will be able to see the captive set free, that we would walk in the anointing and our inheritance to set the captives free, for them, them to be able to receive the gospel. Give us boldness, God. Bold love. Help us to love boldly. Not to care what other people think. Not to be ruled by the fear of man, but by, by be ruled by our love for you and for the lost and for our neighbor. Holy Spirit, help. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your help, Holy Spirit. You're awesome.